This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley. I am joined by, you might know him as Rain Shaft. You might know him as Weird Tense. You might even know him as Joshi Normie Nate. That's right. It's Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, it's me. Um, that was Joshi Normie was the throwback. That was a short lived one. <laughs> it was. I was a little hopeful that you're going to hit me with the uh, Kotoka. <laughs> which was, of course, my Twitter. <laughs> for. Thank you, Mike. Mike <laughs> no, not death. <laughs> not death. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, never die. And now it's my, my, system is not complaining about my microphone noise because i of course am screaming noises into it which was my <laughs> intent um but yes that was those are my twitter names hooray i think uh i think friend of the show julie tweeted rain shaft if i'm not mistaken can we call i don't think we can call julie a friend of the show i'm pretty <laughs> sure julie's never listened to the show um, yeah certainly would consider her a friend uh but uh of course that's also with the caveat that uh the degree to which she can tolerate any of us uh i think varies wildly from day to day which is understandable yeah yeah, yeah well still a friend so we can say it. but i think she tweeted rain shaft uh uh-huh. and somebody responded weird tense i think jose, it might have been jose yeah and so then i was like oh this is funny but i was try- i was like i gotta think of a third one and i was really grasping and uh joshi normie nate popped into my brain you forgot yeah. about hexagons like that was one that was a big, big key element of the brand was the shape of hexagons. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll I'll try to ruminate on more uh, as the days go on. Oh, yeah. Um, I even forgot. I was I was goth Nate for a while. That was before goths came back in a big way. <laughs> I was really ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to think more about those. Uh, also joined by. Uh, I think you pretty much just only know him as Iron Mike Spears. So what's up, Iron Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Yeah. Um, for a while, I was trying to drop the iron thing because I was like, okay, that was a bit based off of a Lucha Underground and me getting bored during Lucha Underground that I'd rather do ironing than watch Lucha Underground. But that thing sticks. Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you holding up, Big Cat? Uh, deal, I'm not sure if it's seasonal depression or just normal depression. Hard to differentiate, you know, between the two. So just a shitty day. So excited to uh, talk to my friends and uh, bitch about dynamite. So that usually makes me feel better. Uh, yeah. So if you want to know more about my depression, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW or, you know, really go to at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. 
I will only tweet about my depression in the form of a screenshot of Twitter drafts. I will not put it on main. I have to I have to have that level of abstraction where it's like I'm not just directly sad posting. I'm cloaking my sad post within eight other random drafts and putting them in a screenshot. That's my promise to you, the follower. I tried to do like what I thought was a funny tweet about being depressed, but instead people just gave me like earnest recommendations did, on how to feel better. I did fave it because I did find it funny um, <laughs> and then did not reply because I don't have any solution for you. Yeah, well, who does? Well, apparently a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of like very sweet. Yeah, you got like 15 replies, which is an obscene amount to get. Again, always yeah. very annoyed by the uh, amount of interactions you get given your number of followers. Uh, <laughs> a, a great uh, personal affront to me. Yeah, and I I don't tweet that much, so it's really just uh, the quality of the post, I think. So, yeah, I thought I just thought it would be funny, but very nice. I appreciate all the recommendations. Um, I will maybe do some of them so that I will feel better, uh, but I will not log. I will not log off as suggested, and uh, you know I'm not going to smoke weed. That was the that was maybe the one that was most recommended. Yeah, that I find does not help with depression. <laughs> All right, well, see. I, did, I, I hit some point in like the last, oh, geez, I'm old. I don't know, six years where it's like, actually, weed just makes me feel worse now. So, yeah. Oh, no, can't relate. But unfortunately, I won't be able to try that out. Uh, but, you know, I'll try out some of the other things. So thanks, everyone. Uh, if you feel bad for me, uh, or uh, Nate, who also has suggested that perhaps he's occasionally sad. I'm sure Mike's sometimes sad too. If you feel bad for all of us, go to patreoncom everything elite. Uh, <laughs> I should I should clarify because I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, co-opt your sadness. I am. Uh, I'd say my my primary complaint about existence in general is uh, somewhere between anger and fatigue. I think mostly. Mostly fatigue, uh, but while I'm at work, it manifests in anger more often. I get very mad when people send me emails that make me have to do one more click than is necessary. <laughs> it just seems I mean, it just seems like a lot of people uh, putting a, putting a lot on me. <laughs> I, I I mean, most of mine is just ennui, like just general bargain basement act of existing, you know. So. I mean, but but pitching our Patreon with sadness, that is... <laughs> Patreon not a very sad place. No, it's no. not sad. We do fun I'm, stuff there. I, uh, I mean, I probably don't talk about my depression. I go insane on Patreon, but I don't yeah. get sad. Not really yeah, sure. You can, you can hear Mike uh, hum sing on there. <laughs> him out. Uh, so that's, that's not depressing at all. I do tend to do that a lot, I've realized. Not really sure of the etiology of this uh, sadness. Uh, I don't know. Mostly felt okay yesterday. And then I, I got in bed and I was just like, oh, wait, I feel like shit. And I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow, I bet. And it's just one of those things that happens. So uh, here's what we're going to talk about on the show. This week's Dynamite, like we always do. We'll talk about the ratings. We'll talk about next week's Dynamite. Uh, we're going to start out with Elite or Delete. And we got a little... A little new part of Elite or Delete, and, and that is that we have asked the listeners and our patrons in the Patreon Discord to give us some of their Elite or Delete picks. And I thought we got a lot of really good ones, like a lot of ones that made me think about uh, maybe beyond the surface of what I what I would normally think about. So Yeah, you know, you, you proposed this idea in the group DM the other yeah. week, 
Uh, and I didn't really like it, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to come down on your idea to try and improve the show because I felt like that was not productive. Uh, but then I, th- I was looking at the replies we got. I was like, oh, these are actually kind of funny. So uh, I guess I guess everybody uh, proved me wrong. Little production uh, meeting here. Like what what happens is I will suggest something in the DM, and as long as Nate doesn't say no, I do it. So it's it's basically like I figure if Nate really doesn't like something, he'll let yeah. me know. But yeah, no, that that's me being very generous and like yeah, let's let's let Laren try his thing because <laughs> he's making the effort here, and I'm just like you know not so. Yeah, well, I just I like to. Uh, Switch things up a little bit occasionally. So this is, is hey, my it's been, idea. It's been a year of dynamite. It's a good time too. Yeah. And listener interaction is good, I think. So we'll see what happens going forward. But I was I was pleased this week. So that's what we're going to do first. So let's get it started with Elite or Delete. Nate, buddy, uh, what would you like to choose as your Elite selection for <sighs> the fake anniversary show of Dynamite? Uh, my choice... For the fake anniversary show of Dynamite here. Um, I guess it's just Eddie Kingston. I think that's all. I don't know. He uh, he was really good in the post-match attack. He also just, you know, always brings a unique presence in wrestling uh, to, like, being on the mic and being on commentary. Uh, and it was funny hearing, hearing uh, JR have to sort of reckon with that uh, and contend with him in that way, even though, you know... It's not like Eddie came down on him hard or anything, but uh, yeah, Eddie Kingston after the main event match here, going in doing a you know promo where he's talking about John Moxley is the champ carrying the company for a year, etc. I mean, I guess not an actual year for Moxley, uh, and then you know inevitably attacking him, giving him the back fist, choking him out while screaming into the camera, "I never tapped out," uh, and then. The very funny visual of that happening while the Lucha Brothers like blocked the the contingent of referees that were coming to try and break this up uh, really amused me. Uh, I think yeah, that was, that was about my favorite thing on the show. I don't know. This was an odd show because I felt like there was a lot of wrestling that people really liked, but it it kind of just didn't didn't fire me up. No, I completely see your point there, Nate. Uh, I'll get more into my overall malaise about this show and my delete, but whenever Eddie like comes out and says something and is able to do what he does best, it adds a certain bit of, I don't even want to call it legitimacy, but it gives a certain bit of character that I feel like sometimes is missing from the product. And the fact that this is continuing and it does feel like that this might be the main event or it should be the main event at full gear gives me a little bit of life because it's because as we'll get into late as we'll get into later it's one of those things that i'm glad that there's some sort of like lighthouse that they're sailing towards with eddie and moxley and it's not just constantly doing this and each time eddie gets a microphone like did y'all see the uh the, the promo he cut off after they got off air last night i don't think i did he just continued and it was like it was like another minute and a half of him like going like Everyone applaud for AEW, applaud for John Moxley, applaud for him. It's like, go back to your beautiful wife. You left us here. The world is cold. It's just, just like standard, like great Eddie lines, and it's worth checking out. So, yeah, no, Eddie was an obvious highlight, I felt like. So you bring up an interesting point that there was some discussion about this in the Discord last night. Of I have uh, 
perhaps uh, famously at this point, not that famously, but among our our patrons at least, said that I didn't think Eddie Mox could be the full gear um, main event because I don't know that that's a pay-per-view main event match, certainly in the eyes of like your average AEW fan. So I guess that's my question to you all. Is uh, Eddie Kingston enough of a challenger to to main event full gear? Um, it kind of seems like that isn't that important to them. Uh, I get because I don't know they did a whole bunch of builds for Moxley and MJF, and I, I don't know that's just not as not as marquee a match as some of the other matches that they've given away on TV, and and that's kind of the same thing here, right? Like I, it seems like Lance Archer was the bigger match, uh, and Eddie was just sort of something brewing in the background. Um, and it's not like Eddie's been out there beating guys week after week where he's been presented as a monster or something like he's gotten wins and he's gotten wins on dark, but his most notable match is losing to Cody. So, you know, you kind of have that where the casual viewer looks at it and goes, Oh, it's the guy that Cody beat. Uh, you know, why is he on the level to take on Moxley now when it sure seems like Moxley's a cut above Cody in the hierarchy of this company, like Moxley beat Brody Lee and then Brody Lee beat the shit out of Cody. Right. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really seem like a big marquee main event match, but I, I guess they have confidence in their ability for Eddie to build the story and make that engaging and interesting to people. And, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a huge priority to them to put on marquee matches, especially now when it's like <laughs> we have no idea like who's who's not at these shows at all because they are out for quarantine purposes or COVID purposes. Like, just no way to know, really. And on top of that, uh, they've been I don't I don't even want to say flat, but they've been so consistent on what they've been getting at on pay per view that maybe it is like that they assume, and now they have a little bit of evidence to think so that no matter what they're going to get about a hundred thousand buys, and if that's the case, okay. I mean, if you have such faith that your fan base you will get the same amount of buys, then it's like oh why burn a bigger match here when this is being built up pretty well and we think we're going to get the same amount of buys. And and I don't think that's a positive thing. I just think it's one of those things that I'm starting to come around to the idea of like, remember for Double or Nothing when everyone's like, oh god, this pay-per-view could end up doing terribly and it ended up being their highest grossing pay-per-view since All In. So it, it, it's one of those things that maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter how well it's felt. Maybe it just seems like that People are going to buy the pay-per-views because they want to buy the pay-per-views. Yeah, and I will say, you know, at least Eddie's doing a great job. Uh, our friend Tharos commented in the Discord uh, that his elite would have been, had they done a great job of letting Eddie play to his strengths, allowing him to come off as a star despite losing both his big matches. So I think that's true. Eddie will hold up his end of the deal regardless. So we'll see if that's where they're going. Uh, Mike, your elite pick. So my elite pick of the week was... Uh, Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone and Rebel getting a spa treatment and just like how bizarre of a segment this was. Like it, like it started off with them getting, like getting facials, getting massages, and then that it and then they had Rebel coming in with like the uh, with like the signboard and like completely like disrupting all the while 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 lo fi beats to study and chill to were on and then. They, they, they discovered that he's shirtless and they were asking if he was naked. And then it all descended into just basically uh, waxing t waxing Tony Schiavone. The sheer glee that 
that Rebel had when she pulled the strip off of Tony is something that gives me great energy. And it just was like Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone are like two of like the better, like like the more entertaining people on the show week in, week out. And I'm, I'm glad that we're back to having more of their interactions. Yeah, this was weird. Um, I kind of liked it for its weirdness. I kind of thought just the idea of Britt and Tony as they are like actually friends, even though she like treats them like shit all the time. And Tony like continues to put up with it. That is very fun to me. That's like very fun. Mean girls shit. Uh, and it's very funny for Tony to be like in the mean girls posse. Uh, so I really latch onto that. And it's like very, you know, in that context, it's very funny and appropriate that they would like go to a spa together and then do an interview. Uh, so the premise was funny to me and I would like to see them doing more mean girl activities together where like Brit is bossing Tony around and dragging them to whatever things mean girls do. Uh, the actual execution of it, I mostly just thought was weird and I don't know that I'd call it like necessarily funny or like it was bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. I guess it accomplished giving Brit more time to do her character, which is always fun. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know that like the rebel stuff actually like made me laugh or anything, but you know, I, I can't complain about putting bizarre things on television. Cause that's fun too. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, Brit is good and we should all just enjoy it. I think so. Uh, Oh, I should have thought about my elite pick of the week, I suppose. I, I have a also a time to make a pick on here. Um, so this was, I think there was some controversy about this, but I got to come down on the side that uh, I'm going to agree with uh, Drew Spears that continuing the Sammy Matt Hardy thing is good and giving it like the actual conclusion that it needs to have, I think is good. Sammy generally good on this show uh, in the the oversized jacket uh, that, that MJF gave him. He did a great job in that segment that I otherwise think was pretty bad. And then we go back and let uh, he and Matt Hardy hopefully have the blow off that they were actually trying to have in the beginning. So that's my elite pick of the week. Tying that loop. Closing yeah. that loop. <laughs> what I Those both work. <laughs> I kind of like what, what I actually really liked about this segment was Tony going to Matt Hardy on the outside had the whole family there had all these kids running around uh, and I thought Matt Hardy is just like the whitest meat baby face possible where he's just doing like feel good gonna try my best I love my family I love this company stuff like his promo for that part was like really on point he's like and I'm happy to announce that like I'm cleared now and stuff it was like oh yeah no Matt Hardy has like the right energy for this for whatever reason. Uh, and then, you know, uh, their pre-tapes are almost always good. So we got another like fully capable pre-tape here uh, with Sammy. Uh, the only thing is like they, they halfway fumbled it after we're like uh, Matt stumbled over a word or something. And then I think Tony ate his lunch and like said, Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Like a line early. So Matt's like, did you know that was going to happen? So that was a little awkward, but yeah, I think it's, you know, that feud had juice and then had a really, awful end point of some kind. So I think Sammy kind of justified it well by saying, you come back, I'm just going to knock you out until I knock you out of this business for good. I think that put a nice little pin in, in where this feud's going. And it's something that for a few that was very uneven leading up to this, like 
it would have been a real disservice to both guys like just leaving it lay there and like the two of them just separating like oh we went through this uh you busted your head open we're done here like being having the confidence to go back to him it's like no we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this right i think like puts a lot of confidence and like you could tell like within like sammy because sammy's not been on tv a whole lot after uh all out so the fact that like having this back and being able to finish the business here i thought like that sammy in the pre-tape was excellent and as you said like matt's a good just like white bread baby face white white bread baby face and it's just well, I mean, both of those work. I mean, Wonder Bread, white meat. Yeah, white meat, white bread, you know. You could eat uh, white bread with white meat there. But yeah, I thought that it was a, <laughs> that was a fun segment. <laughs> you can eat white bread with white meat. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> All right, a few uh, listener elites from the show. If you guys have any thoughts about these. Uh, hoosh, is that what it is? Hoosh, Danny H, Danny Hernandez on Twitter. He's a patron also. Says the Britt Baker Act is evergreen. I think that's I think that's a fair point. We talked about that a little bit. There's a lot of talk about uh, Miro getting to be angry at Huge Tiny Mistake on Twitter. Uh, shouted out Miro getting angry. And there's a few people who mentioned that. I think that's cool and a, a great point. Uh, Chris Duarte also pointed that out. Oh, no, he did not. I made that up. Britt and Roses also pointed that out. So he said... Miro making lots of people angry by showing intensity and whipping ass, but as a heated gamer moment. Uh, I think that's true. <laughs> this is like the premier pro Miro podcast. Uh, so, yes, we're definitely in favor of all of that. I, I mean, do you know how expensive that uh, that button set, set was, AB? I know, Nate, you probably have some sense there. Like, even though that was a very gimmicked up set, they actually put in like a legit fight stick there. So, like, that it was believable. I mean, yeah, so I'm sure it was a very nice fight stick. Uh, probably not on the level of Miro's, you know, pajama Gucci pants. But uh, yeah, that was him. My highlight of that, I'll just, because we're talking about it now, I guess. Uh, him basically winning that match by himself, like Kip got in for like a splash and otherwise it was just Miro. That's that's just quality monster booking. Don't worry, folks. I'll, I'll figure out how to better weave these into the show as we do it more. It's a new segment. It's a new segment. Yeah. We'll work this out. I'll, I'll try to do better. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to delete. Do not delete me trying to weave these into the show, please. I appreciate that. Uh, Nate, what did you think was the worst thing on the show this week? Hello, Aaron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what hi, I, hi, uh, hi, bud. Hey, am I... Hi, sorry. I was looking down this. I was looking down the run sheet for a second. This guy loves his mute button. I just say throw caution to the wind. Just fuck it. No mute. If I'm gonna make noise back here, everybody can deal with it. It's on um, me. Uh, uh, oh, so last week I was on here uh, and I said that they do a really good job of making uh, shows feel special, even when it's like the weekly television and they do it every week. And you know it's gonna be there every week, uh, but they still put in the extra effort to to dress things up and. You know, have some sort of special hook or, you know, special segment or reason for, you know, your occasional television show here. Uh, and But this was their anniversary show, and it didn't really feel like there was much extra effort to make it special in that way. Uh, the Chris Jericho 30th anniversary show got considerably more uh, in that department. You had all the special vignettes and messages from uh, people talking about Jericho. But here... It was basically just that they booked a bunch of title matches, and we'll get into the booking of those, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, 
they had even a way, I think a website or maybe TNT had a website that was like some of the wrestlers talking about their favorite moments from Dynamite and they had clips of the favorite moments and you could go back and watch Riho win the women's title for the first time and stuff. And just seemed like a layup to like put that on the show and be like, hey, we've had a pretty good first year here. Um, hey, here's a good reminder that when and if uh, crowds ever come back, that we can have really hot crowds at these shows celebrating big things happening. Uh, just I, I kind of thought that was a, a pretty big missed opportunity. Uh, and it you know just didn't didn't feel like a, a super special show for that reason. And like the only time that they did anything, it seemed like that was real. Like towards the the uh, towards the anniversary was when they cut to a commercial in the middle of a match, and there was like an ad package going for it is the one anniversary thing in picture in picture. Like they had like a like they decided to have like an anniversary thing in picture in picture. I know you, Nate, you probably yeah. If I'm right, you were in you were in Luxembourg last last night, right? Uh, I I let me I want to say Belarus, but I might be oh, wrong. Okay, all right. Um, I feel like I was in Belarus. Uh, obviously had too much absinthe or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they had a montage and Jr. threw to it. He's like, "Hey, in the picture in picture, we're gonna have some of our highlights or something." So being on the Fight TV feed, they I got to see the montage in full, but it had no sound because it was for the picture in picture. So it's yeah. Like, uh, Okay. Uh, I don't know. Just it, it was basically nothing. Yeah. And it's something where like, maybe it is because they had like all of this stuff going on, but then you didn't need to have a second backstage fight between Moxley and Archer. You could have had this thing be like, here's a video we have for like this happen, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like they celebrate so many things. And then something that even though it's a fake anniversary, something that you would celebrate other than having four title matches, this did not feel like a special episode. Yeah, and as uh, Bella Randolph said on Twitter, this was uh, her delete, four title matches that all lacked stories, credible challengers, and heat. And I think that's fair, right? It's like, okay, yes, for this anniversary show, they did do four title matches, but we were, uh, Mike and I and Light were like grasping for, could one of these titles change hands if you're going to do four title matches? And none of them really seemed believable. I think each of us tried to talk ourselves into like one or the other that might happen. But in the end, it's like, yeah, there was really nothing to grab onto here on this show. And, and you like looked at it and I will say that it did feel like that Archer and Moxley was built up. I mean, that's also considering the fact that Archer was off TV for two weeks because of COVID-19. But they tried with that. And even like watching like the road to where they had like three minutes devoted to that. It was like, all right, like, but there we had, we basically had like rent our like put our hands behind our back, like wrenching ourselves to make it seem like that something could happen. Yeah, if I want to hammer that, um, I, I came that started off with a lot of energy. I was like, all right, finally, here's the big segment. Here's the big main event for the anniversary show. The guy's got brand new theme music. He's got all these guys to record promos for him in his world title match. Uh, and he came out and they just like started doing a bunch of whips into the barricade, like in every, you know, hardcore match that they've done in this promotion, which is every third week. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, this is just going to be a, a little television match. Mike, what was your least favorite part of the show? So I, as watching this show and like thinking a little bit across the 53 weeks of AEW Dynamite. Something that really kind of crystallized to me, especially like more recently, is how much like the show feels like that they have like a set template, almost like set for a 
spreadsheet, like booking via spreadsheet that these shows have. You always have five to six matches. The women's match is always second to last. It's always putting like some sort of death slot. You always have certain people at the at the nine o'clock and ten in the ten o'clock. And it's one of those things that like it made me think back about how like one of the best episodes they had was the episode where they just basically said, Okay, Pack versus Omega, you all get the first quarter of the show. And like we they built it from there. And maybe it's something that it is something that like with COVID and everything like this, like we had to go for tried and true. We had to go tried and true. But this is like something like, and this kind of goes into what Nate said. Everything felt so samey on the show that like I actually like went through my notes and I was like, all right, no, pretty much the exact same thing, pretty much the exact same thing, pretty much the exact same thing. And I and I actually was like trying to figure out when was the last time that there's been like a women's match that wasn't semi-main event. And it might be all the way back at the Atlanta tapings. And it's just like, it feels like that it's almost like a form that they book with. And that's something that really annoyed me the more I started to think about that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that is exactly what they do. And it's a it's a bummer because I remember on some of the earlier shows when Dynamite started, I remember us coming on here and like our elite pick would be, wow, they really kind of do a little different thing at the beginning of each show. So it doesn't feel like it's the same every time. And I don't know if it's COVID or if they've just fallen into this rut, but it's certainly uh, gotten stayed. Yeah, I remember in particular, I think, saying that about it was one of the private party matches, either private party versus Young Bucks or private party versus Lucha Brothers, where they start with the guys in the ring and it's like, hey, the show's starting. And now here's a super hot, you know, spot heavy tag team match. Uh, and that's how we're going to open the show. And there's a whole different energy to it. You know, we're not going to hit influences and hit promos right now. It's just like, boom, here's action. Uh, and now literally every show enters or opens with a uh, hot spot heavy tag team match. So it's just like and with the guys already in the ring, which is what they did here. Just like, oh, yeah, that, that was cool when that was a change of pace and they didn't lean on that too hard. Or even if that's the norm, you know, still want to mix it up from time to time. But now it does seem like, oh, that's just what we do in our first segment every show. And I, my delete kind of builds off of that. Uh, just this kind of, I don't know, this rut that they're in. And I was thinking about this uh, in large part because of some of the comments that we got um, on Twitter and in the Discord. And it's that, what is the match that we're all waiting to see? What is the the program, the feud that we're all waiting to see resolved? I don't think there's anything. I mean, oh, Peter what? Avalon versus Brandon Cutler is like <laughs> the best built feud in the company. So yeah. it's just, I'm just really concerned about the like long-term storytelling uh, and character building in the company. I just think it's it's not been good. It's what we're all waiting around. The fireworks factory we're all trying to get to is one of uh, Kenny Omega or Hangman Page feuding and or getting to a feud with John Moxley. I think I think that's sort of the long term that we're all trying to find our way to. Um, and they are. They do have a route there. They've been building up this thing between Kenny and Hangman where they're both sing they're in a tag and now they're both singles guys and they're in this tournament together that's going to result in the next challenger. So it's there, but it has uh, you know, it's been meted out pretty pretty deliberately over these last few weeks. And it's something that obviously with the bracket for the uh men's world title tournament challenger, which boy, that's a mouthful to say. Uh they are put on opposite sides of the bracket, so they would face off in the finals 
so that would be at full gear so even after like that happens i feel like that's like the obvious direction that the tournament's going to be in unless they want to do like a legitimate surprise and go like oh jungle boy somehow is like putting it all together which i don't think any of us anticipate but then when are you going to be doing that title shot for the winner of hangman and page versus moxley because next pay-per-view after this isn't until late february early march so is that going to be like the year-end show the new year show like you still have like this anticipation that like nate like point out like that is probably like the the biggest singles issue there at least in the men's division and that still is like whenever they would decide to do it it's not it's something that we're still talking about 2021 to build up for that and that's a lot of time that like that they would have to fill with like doing stuff like this and going back to kind of like the spreadsheet thing that i brought up i don't really have a lot of confidence that they would be able to sustain a feud like that for like this long without like taking weeks off from the feud so it's frustrating and it's something that yes like there is like a natural handicap with who's there who's not who are like taping one taping in front of 15 percent and daily's place and all of that but i mean bringing up like cutler versus avalon which yes that is like the most meaningless feud in the promotion like when we talk about importance but it's so much like like they've done stuff and they've kept on like doing this thing that it's like so much like a part of them and they haven't like cut promos and they tell the story in the ring of all right first we had a double count out now they're getting dirty they're gonna go to double dq leva bates has walked out on them like they, they've done stuff each time to do that and i don't know if i have confidence that they would be able to execute like that long-term story especially like with hangman like that's the issue yeah i don't i don't know they're not that different like cutler and avalon were a tag team and they broke up and then they've had their little sniping at each other on bte and then have had the match on dark and then they had a rematch on dark Really, the only difference between them and Hangman and Omega is that they've had the two matches uh, with you know the the countout finish and shit, right? So it's really just they're they're holding that match off longer, which I don't think is incorrect. I think when you have that match, you want it to be bigger. So I, you know, it, it's kind of the same story. They're just taking their time a little bit more with the Hangman and Omega one, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I I don't think it's like necessarily a failure but we're just like in this sort of purgatorial period where they haven't really put the haven't really put the pedal down on it yet so it's like okay well we would like you to put the pedal down on something well it's just this weird thing where some stuff they hot shot you know the mjf cody thing where that happens in like two weeks when it could have happened over a year Mm -hmm. and then you kind of which they in their defense, I guess they've slowed down on the Wardlow MJF thing. So I appreciate that. But it's like, there's some things that they do really quickly. Other things like hangman and page that it feels like it's just been stuck in, in um, quicksand neutral. Neutral. That works. Uh, It's been stuck for so long where the characters really don't change or like progress. Yeah. Uh, So that's just, what's frustrating about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't disagree with that at all. Really. Well, you know what's not frustrating, folks? It's that you can go to mybookie.ag and get double your first deposit. That's not frustrating. That's exhilarating. You put in 100 bucks, they give you 100 bucks. All the way up to 1000 bucks. You put in 1000 bucks, you'll get 1000 bucks. All you have to do is put in the promo code ELITE, E-L-I-T-E. 
Uh, there's a lot going on still. I know NBA playoffs are over, but Major League Baseball playoffs continue. There is the NFL season sometimes, college football sometimes, you know, when, when COVID doesn't intervene. Uh, well, so you, you are underselling the biggest thing going on right now. What's that? We are in the middle of League of Legends World Championship Season 10. We're in the knockouts, baby, and you can do all sorts wow. of those bets Ooh. on my bookie. You can see who is supremely the, the best team in League of Legends. No, no teams from North America. North America is absolute trash there. But if you're looking for something that is a very interesting bet going up here, we have we have a there, there, there's a couple like really big games coming up here that they have some that they that they offer some quality lines on. So you can pretty much bet on anything with my bookie. So I, I I know you like talking about your trad sports, but I wanted to veer in here for the youths out there and talk about the most viewed sport right now in the world, and that is League of Legends. That's fair. I really I guess I don't know what our listeners <laughs> are most interested in betting on. Uh, I just figure, you know, if you cover the big sports, most people are going to grab onto that, right? It's like, oh, you know, uh, you're all squad. Miami having a big year. It's like, oh, okay, my my school is doing well. I'm going to hop in and put a bet down on the game, you know? I don't know if people are diving into, you know, sometimes I log on there and it's like live betting and it's a fucking, uh, you know, tennis tournament in Kazakhstan or whatever. And I'm like, who's betting on this? But I mean, people are obviously. Hey, it's a great way to uh, increase your investment in a Kazakhstani tennis tournament for sure. That's true. That's true. So all you have to do is go over to my bookie uh, and use the promo code ELITE. And if it's your first deposit, you'll get double whatever you first put in up to $1,000. So it's a great way to, you know, get your feet wet and uh, try out some bets before uh, you get your own money on the line. So head on over to my bookie and use the promo code elite so we never get any feedback on the on the moba talk but what are they doing with the the league of legends worlds are they doing it holding it in china this year mike yeah it's in china so what they've done and they've actually done a really cool thing of this they, they did a full bubble so everyone's been in uh, shanghai for a long time but they're doing this in a closed set that they've completely like just i'm sorry used... esports bubble is just really cracking me <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well what's really funny explain. about it yeah they <laughs> Because Dota didn't do their big end of year competition yeah, at the all. Yeah, international didn't is, happen. You know, yeah, like millions, tens of millions of dollars. 40, 40, 40 million. Yeah, they just didn't do it. It's like, oh, well, we can't. We can't. But it's also like, isn't this an it, online game? <laughs> I know well, I know, online is not ideal because you want to have, you know, perfect latency and right. you want to sell tickets to it. But it's like, in the current circumstances, isn't that like, kind of approaching the best you can do it's, it's yeah, a little right simple. but you but want well, it to be massively multiplayer well, online, <laughs> well i mean it's massive and the <laughs> like, fact that that's not a joke to anyone else it's just like a term <laughs> to anyone else it's like, <laughs> but you find it very funny and, and, and of course i'm trying to be literal here it's like well it is massive that the, the last uh league world championships there was the most viewed one of the most viewed events of all time but like they have like this crazy like so they basically have the studio that they're doing this in and they they have like completely made like ar and like digital screens like such a thing that they've now made it so the first part like they do like a, a group stage like in fifa world cup and they made it look like that they were part of the skyscrapers of shanghai and they did like this now they have it like that they like afterwards they like did like this thing where it made it look like it was driving all the teams down to the sewers and like there's water flowing up against them like like they get really imaginative and then of course they have like a weird uh vocaloid k-pop band that one of the ones was like real they were trying to do like this thing where there's a new member of kda 
this year. But the thing is, is that this is a Vocaloid character that they gave this character a Twitter account. And if you saw that across Twitter the last few days, like I could probably do about an hour explaining to you the, the importance of esports and why you need to be able to understand the difference between Billy Billy and do you. All right. Well, I'll just, my plan is to just continue laughing about the term uh, massively multiplayer online <laughs> and uh, saying things like, oh yeah, Dota, you know, just like, hey, saying, nailed it. like yeah, got it. Yeah. I don't, you should uh, check out just like a YouTube video of like one of the international uh, finals or something, Aaron, just cause it's funny to see they do it, you know, like in key arena in Seattle or whatever. So you have this giant arena, have these giant screens. Uh, but then of course you have the competitors are all playing PC games uh, and you don't want them to be like interfered with by the giant crowd. So they have like isolation sound booths set up on a stage. There's just like five nerds and a little, Michael Coleman, uh, yeah. surrounded by dozens, hundreds, <laughs> thousands of cheering people. It's a very weird visual. A, a giant fish tank for that. And then, it, it, and the thing about like all these things is like, do you remember how Revolution, how they had the light up wristbands and yes. things like that? Like that's taken a lot, partially from idols, but more so I'm knowing what they took it from. That's from esports where like they would make everyone wear light bands. So they do like light shows in the crowd. So you're trying to focus in on this game inside your fish tank. With, with four of your nerd friends as like everyone's screaming around you. And in Dota's case, you're playing for about 15 to $20 million. Buddy, there's a stardom light up wristband now. I don't, mm. know, if you, I don't know if you've seen the, the women. Oh, model oh, I, didn't, I didn't know if it was going to like sync up with like Starlight Kids intro. So like whenever the beat drops on it, it starts flashing. You know, I get down yeah, with that. It should. I'm not sure, but it should for sure. Or, or for him, or, or for Himika, that when it goes like just dance, stop, just dance, then it starts like freaking out and doing like disco lights. Like, th like there's a way that they could go for that. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, doubtful, but uh, it does exist at, at the very least. All right, let's get into the ratings. AEW uh, up a little bit. They're kind of floating around up from 753 to 826,000. 15th in the demo. That's up, but they're. Demo number was down slightly to a 0 0.30. They were 0 0.31 last week. NXT, again, did not chart in the top 50. 651,000, that's up just a little bit from 639. 51st in the demo with a 0.17. Yeah, so speaking of sports, uh, the, the top two things on cable were the World Series playoffs. And then because of the current United States Supreme Court ruling or hearings right now, they're so highly viewed on cable stations that they actually like you got like things on noon and like 1230 and one o'clock and two o'clock that beat everything else out. And then you like the standard news coverage. So like you take all that stuff out there. Like if you want to do transitive thing, AEW pretty much did the same thing. There was a new Real Housewives that beat it and then uh, married at first sight. But it just kind of felt like a same old thing, you know, like the wild thing is, is like so they were up slightly in men and in 50 plus but down in women but the funny thing about like the being up in 50 plus they're the worst at the people above the age of 50 demographic in the top 25 and they're the sixth worst out of anything that makes the top 50 and viewers above the age of 50 so it's just one of the things that like you you add these other viewers i guess because that was the point of expansion just like comparative you you look at these two things you're like oh they must have got a whole lot more uh, P50 plus viewers, but it's still like such a low number in comparison to the rest of cable. That's good, I guess, right? I mean, it kind of, I think there's been an idea, at least for WWE, that it's just like 
the old people who've been watching wrestling for 30 years are the only people who still watch it. And so I guess at least AEW doesn't have that problem. They don't. And it's also one of those things that I know that networks and advertisers care more about 18 to 49, but it does show you that, I mean, anyone could buy a pay-per-view, I guess, above the age of someone who could operate a telephone or a remote control. So, I mean, it's, it's another person that you're trying to market to. So who the, who the fuck is watching this Supreme court hearing? A lot. Like millions and millions of people. Yeah. But like, who is the person who's doing I'm, it? I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> I get like really frustrated. Like my boss will come in and like start talking about politics or whatever. I'm just going to be like, man, you devote so much. I shouldn't not even worth addressing. <laughs> Watch, watching the Supreme court hearing, you have no impact on it whatsoever. You know, it's like, it's, it's got to be you like devoting your energy on that. It's all libs watching this, right? Like getting angry at it. I can't. Well, even... it is, but like the, the the stations that aired it that got the highest ratings for it was Fox News, which is like all up and down the top fifteen that were ahead of AEW. So, with they the theory the of ratings, yeah, for the theory of who watches the the programming, it's Fox News people. I just like look. I have been a nerd who think who was interested in Supreme Court uh, hearings for sure. I was a huge Supreme Court nerd at one time in my life. Uh, but that was sad, you know? So, like, <laughs> the idea that there are... I just can't imagine being, like... I mean, I was in law school at the time, right? When I, like, thought this was particularly interesting. I can't imagine just being, like, a person out in the world and being, like, I've got to fucking watch Diane Feinstein, like, fight dementia to uh, slobber on Amy Coney Barrett. It's like I mean, very What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Strange. Yeah. I mean, you could extend it like everybody watched the debates. It, it benefited no one. No one learned anything from it. Uh, watching it has no effect, makes no impact on your life in terms of informing what you will do at any decision point in your life. Just like a sideshow spectacle that makes everybody upset. I don't know. But but it had the possibility of being funny. That was the key to the debates. Um, it turned out to be tough, somewhat tough. funny, but like kind of, uh, you know, just made you want to die by the end. So. I guess, yeah. In the, in the spirit of Darren Rovell, you know, I'm sad for our country, but this is great content. Yeah. I, I guess that's the approach you can take to it. Yes. All right, let's get into week 54 of AEW. We opened up with the tag team title match, FTR defeating the best friends. Dax pinned Chuck Taylor after a belt shot. Uh, The post-match was Miro attacking the best friends because during the match, they broke uh, the video game cabinet that he was playing on. I believe they they had a name for it. Alan the Arcade, is that what it was? Alan, yes. Yeah. Because that felt like Miro was like, hey, remember Mitch the plant? That got over big. I'm going to get my <laughs> arcade machine over. <laughs> this was an interesting match because arguably this was the most Southern style tag. And I feel like I've said this before, but this one really was because basically like the first half of it was Trent selling. And then they did, did that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said my piece about FTR before. This was the one place I was hoping there would be a title change and sadly that was not the case but uh you know i mean it was it probably with the exception of yeah you, you you know it's probably like was one of the better matches of the night yeah it was it was pretty good 
yeah, all these matches were like good. <laughs> you know, it's like a, I, I, I don't really say that as a compliment. They were good matches. Man. I, I've done this take before, so I'll do it briefly. Uh, but I hate when heels win matches like this by cheating and there's no like, yes, they're eventually going to have come up. It's in that they will lose the titles. But like we already know because they talk about it on commentary that Tony Khan is watching the shows. <laughs> so somebody should say, wait a fucking second. You can't just hit somebody with the belt and win the match. Like yeah. there has to be something that it just makes the baby faces look dumb. It makes the people who run the are running the show in kayfabe look dumb. And I just hate it. So this just irritates well, me. Well, it's like you had a perfectly good finish if you're going to do the big arcade bump. Like the, yeah. that, you don't need to overcomplicate it by also doing a goofy belt attack. Like I get that you wanted to, we know they're heels. You don't need to like hammer it home with a belt shot and have them cheat to, to let us know that we should have won a best friends to win. Everyone wanted best friends to win. Right. You don't have to win by cheating to be a heel. You know, it's just, you can just win the matches. It's okay. And that, that actually, I think, in 2020, it makes people more mad. Like, that gets the heel more heat when they just win against the people you want them to lose to instead of, like, cheating that everybody's kind of like, doo, 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 you know. Yeah, like, you could be heels and win and just to be assholes and people dislike you. You don't have to do that. Like, that was, like, one of my big takeaways about watching stuff this weekend. Like, Anthony Henry, old friend of the show, like, watching one of his matches – he plays a heel now in wrestling. And you know what it, What his heel thing is? It's not that he cheaps. He's just an asshole who tears you apart. And it works great. Like, you could do this without having to have a belt shot here. Like, you put him through Allen the Arcade Cabinet. That was a dick move. You could win the match based off of that and just, like, smugly go in the back because you... And everyone's like, hey, you wouldn't have beat them if you didn't put him through that. And it would have been just as effective as not having another bad distraction spot. Yeah, their whole thing is supposed to be that they're, like really good at tag team wrestling right like can't they outsmart the other team or like do something strategic that's that's interesting i don't know well yeah i don't know if we want to be smarter necessarily well but you know what but, i mean yeah I, it it's also like i don't think the best friends are hurt by taking a semi-clean loss it's like no they're kind of they're kind of lovable because they don't win all the time it's kind of okay like i don't i don't think losing here after a arcade cabinet bump and you know also like totally got involved on a trip a couple times like i think if they lose after that they're like still the hottest tag team in the division uh and yeah hopefully that's not just like a victim to ftr and then miro now this led right into this was uh you know in honor of uh gabe sapolsky they had the run-in go straight into the next match miro and kip sabian defeating lee johnson and sean maluda uh, I did not write the finish down, so I'm... it was the game over. Was, that's, yeah. that's right, the game over. I'm F sorry. Yeah, FKA accolade. Yes. Uh, a after the match, Miro on the mic, he says, "Best friends, you break my shit." Uh, 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 uh Aaron, the good friends. He that's... said, "Good friends." Well, see, I was wondering because he's been doing that on Twitter, but then I was like, "Wait, I wrote best friends." Did I just so I just fucked that up? No, very, yeah, very important. He's the best man. There can only be one best. Okay, I like that. Uh, yeah, and he also got to say shit, even though Chuck, of course, has been wanting to say, to say shit. So I think that played in. And then, uh, yeah, he closes with, game over. <laughs> what a great line there. Yeah, a, very good. Well, what a great man. Like, I'm glad that everyone who was mad. <laughs> the best man. The right? best man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that everyone who was just, like, so mad about him being an angry gamer 
now can be like, oh no, he rules now because Miro rules. It was great. He looked great in the squash. Yes. And Kip was pretty on the apron. Then we shoot uh, backstage. We see Lance Archer beating up Mox. I was very concerned that Mox had COVID and they were writing him off the show here <laughs> so that they didn't have to do the match. Maybe and- not the best way to write him with, <laughs> with COVID off the show, though. <laughs> no, but, you know, Lance Archer probably thinks he's immune because he had it once already. So it would have been okay. Uh, MJF is in the ring. I can't believe this has not been discussed yet. I mean, I kind of vaguely discussed it, but surprised we hadn't gotten to this yet. So MJF on the mic. He says everybody wants to boo him because they're envious of him. Strap in because he's not going anywhere. Uh, and he brings out Chris Jericho mentions, you know, he's been on top of the business for 30 years, suggesting MJF will also be. The whole inner circle comes out. Uh, Sammy is carrying a jacket. Jericho implores him to put it on. He does. It's oversized. Comically so, folks. MJF puts over Jericho's abs, asks to touch his hair. He touches it. Jericho wants to know. He's tired of waiting. He wants to know what the announcement is. MJF says, uh, they're the top minute-to-minute ratings movers. They're on top of their games, but they've never gotten physical because they're both predators. Uh, he said, maybe it's time we work together. So they do a thing where he can't say that he wants to join the inner circle. You know, he keeps like almost saying it, but then stopping. Uh, finally, he asks if he can join. Ortiz pipes up. He does not want MJF in the inner circle. Jericho says they need some time to think about it. Maybe next week they should meet up one-on-one for a steak dinner. And so that turns out they're going to have a steak dinner next week. That was the segment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this didn't come up because this is not really an elite or a delete. I think there were things to like here and and things to be annoyed by. Uh, I you know, have stated that I like sort of the dynamic between Jericho and MJF where they're so similar that they don't like each other, but also they kind of uh, uh, see themselves and the other person. So they kind of, uh, uh, tolerate each other. I like the dynamic where the rest of the inner circle just has no tolerance from whatsoever. Uh, and Ortiz getting it, you know, doesn't get to speak super a lot. Him be- being the guy to pipe up here and, uh, voice that was good. I think Sammy Guevara doing the facials in the background of being frustrated by all this and being frustrated by his comically long sleeves, uh, was pretty much the highlight of the segment. And then I even kind of liked, them acting like a steak dinner was like a really big match and them being like, Oh yeah, you're on. That was like amusing. Uh, honestly, the, the weak part of it was like, just felt like MJF had written a eight minute monologue and he was going to hit every part of it. Um, instead of like, you know, fully 40% of it could have gone and the segment would have been better for it probably. So yeah, that that's about what it was. Yeah, like the, the funniest thing that I felt like in a comedic segment that was good is I thought that the MJF like pe- giving himself a pep talk was was humorous. Like the way that they did that once, it was kind of then then it went on forever. But yeah, Sammy and Ortiz in the background being frustrated this entire thing. Like we talked about Sammy's comically over large jacket, but also Ortiz's facial expressions before he grabbed the microphone. You like you could see him when like I hate this guy. Like what are we gonna do about this? So I felt like that that was pretty good. And then, I mean, it's the standard MJF and Chris Jericho stuff. So, I mean, it was okay. I think it was uh, Patrick Cosmos who pointed out that Jericho just loves this Marx Brothers-ass shit where they, like, kind of yeah. go back and forth with each other. And I remember, like, the first time MJF and Jericho were in the ring together, and they had a little similar thing, and it kind of worked. I don't know if it was just because it was the first time, but it, like, felt fun. But now it's, yeah, it's kind of like uh, I've I've grown weary of it, I suppose. 
Next up was the segment with Tony and Britt Baker that we talked about earlier. Um, then we had the TNT title match. Honestly, a lot of stuff that like the bigger stuff we did not get to in Elite or Delete, which is funny. Um, and it's, I think, because of what you said a minute ago, Nate, it's just all this stuff kind of just washed over us. Yeah, it's like a whole lot of good matches that didn't have any other angle or justification or hook in them that made them like rise to a level past good. So when you combine that with like, how did we get to this match? This match was kind of just thrown together. It's like as good as the match was, it's almost as much an an annoyance. Yeah. So Cody and orange Cassidy went to a draw. So of course Cody got destroyed by Brody Lee. Brody Lee beat orange Cassidy. Cody beat Brody Lee. And then Cody and orange Cassidy went to a draw. So all that makes sense to me. Uh, Massive shakeups in the TNT title division. Who's that? Who's in charge? Will it be Darby Allen who's staring up in the in the Raptor and the Raptor's like a weirdo? Who knows what's going to happen next? Uh, time expired here while Orange had Cody in a mousetrap and Paul Turner was about to count three. So we're supposed to believe Orange would have won if there was just another second in this match. Yeah, so I was really... They announced Darby is the next challenger for this. Cody's been doing this thing with Darby where Darby is was close to beating him and then got farther and farther away from beating him, even though the story was supposed to be the opposite of that. <laughs> so now we have a rematch coming for Orange and Cody. I don't know. Is this, is this building like a, a, a triple threat thing where it's like both these guys have been within inches of beating Cody uh, and they can't seal the deal? Is that where it's going? I- I guess, I guess it's one of those things that Cody like doing open challenges at least had some sort of direction with the belt. And now it's kind of just, okay, Orange Cassie came out and accepted a challenge. Darby is just sitting there touching his face and he's into it and he wants them at full gear. But now there's going to be another tile offense. We don't know if it's going to happen at full gear with, with the TNT champion versus Darby. And now we have a draw. Maybe they could have done something where, like, I guess you can't do that. I was going to say, if it goes, if the, if the title goes to a draw, the title should be vacated. Like, I, and then, like, do it. Because I know that that's a thing for, like, Ice Ribbon, that, like, if a certain t- title <laughs> goes to a draw, it's vacated. And it's like, yeah, it's I the, like that. IWGQ title. <laughs> I, I, so here's my other thing. Why Cody's, Cody has this time limit on all of his matches, 20-minute time limit, which is, FTR's heel thing is that they have a 20 minute time limit on their matches, except when it's a real title match. It's like, like dude, the one on this show where it's 60 all the minutes. fucking title matches are 20 minute time limits. Well, no, sometimes they're uh, sometimes they're not right. Sometimes it, like the main event is like TV time remaining or yeah, it, but it doesn't like, have a limit because it, it's a world title. Ma- I don't know. I, I just don't. That's a weird uh, uh, juxtaposition to yeah. me where FDR is like a heel thing that they have 20 minute time limits and that they, you know, automatically win and more importantly, retain their belt if the, you know, the other be- team can't beat them in 20 minutes. But that's no. like just Cody's normal thing. Yeah. And, and like they have that and it was supposed to be like a legit match this week. And guess how long that title match was? How long was the it? The tag time. 
you know, 16 minutes and 33 seconds. So it does not matter that this was a legit title match versus a brush of greatness. The match was still over within 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm, the the brush of greatness thing should have just been 15 minutes, and that cleans it up right there. And then you don't yeah. have a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that. There, there's a through line here between this and the the tag team title thing we'll talk about later too, where it's just like the, they got to just get rid of the fucking rankings. I mean, they're just like they're dumb. Darby. I, I mean, they haven't mattered in months, and then when they choose it to matter, it's always frustrating when they yeah, choose it to matter. Yeah, that's the thing about it. It's like, I don't, you got to just do something consistently. I don't care what it is, but just <laughs> be consistent about like one thing that you want to pick. Honestly, like they could, you can cheat and just never bring up the rankings, never post them on Twitter, and then only when you're going to use it to justify a title match, go, hey, here's the rankings from our uh, our booking committee. Jack Whitehall says that Darby's the number one contender now and then do it like you can cheat. It's wrestling. Just like don't give us a bunch of information to indict your cheating uh, otherwise. Or right? you could have told us from the beginning that the TNT title like lives outside the rankings, right? Like they're, the whole thing. Which, was, yeah, I guess it must because it was the open challenge thing. But yeah, I don't... yeah, but their whole thing at the beginning was Cody saying like, oh, these two are even. So all the rankings in the singles men's singles division float up to the either title. So, I mean, that was dumb. They should have never said that. Uh, yeah. So Cody did this interview where he said, oh, you know, one of the, the mistakes I made in the first year of Dynamite was like talking too much, which <laughs> which he kind of meant. And like, oh, I was talking too much shit about NXT uh, and, you know, kind of maybe that impacted how people perceived us, you know, something like that. Uh, but really it's like a large part of the issue with the promotion um, is talking too much in terms of setting unrealistic expectations for people and doing a poor job of, of managing people's expectations or just talking so much that you, that you lay out all these rules and guidelines and ethos for booking or for how the wrestling works or who's booking what that create contradictions when you just don't need to do that. You can just not just don't tweet, never tweet. You don't have to say anything. Just say what's relevant for what you're trying to accomplish in that moment. And it's way easier to avoid all those contradictions. Yes. I think that's fair. It's just like, I feel like Cody and therefore AEW has just kind of overthought a lot of things which you know it is a, a one-year-old company or yeah whatever. And, and like you know pretty honestly pretty hard to do booking a wrestling promotion that you're also producing for the first time in your life and also you have a pandemic that sets in halfway <laughs> through the first year right and you have to do a bunch of stuff on the fly um yeah like so <laughs> bearing all that in mind uh it is difficult to do Hearing all that in mind, clean it up, boys. <laughs> clean it up. Uh, also, during this match, the Dark Order was at ringside. And then during the match, John Silver tried to get the belt to hit Cody with it. But Orange Cassidy took the belt from Silver. Then the Dark Order got ejected. So there's still a Dark Order aspect to this feud also, apparently. We see Lance Archer and Jake Roberts backstage with Alex Marvez. Alex Marvez says, why did you attack John Moxley? Jake Roberts starts. He says, why do you climb a mountain? Because it's there. But then Mox attacks. That's so a stupid we... answer. That's not why he attacked John Moxley. <laughs> yes, it is stupid. But Jake Roberts' best promo, probably, because it lasted <laughs> two seconds. Fair. Uh, Matt Hardy is ringside. I've written here with Tone. Tone. I guess uh, the, uh, tone. the the boss from Agretzko, I suppose. 
is who he was ringside here with. And uh, we talked about this segment. And then, boy, this showed up a lot in the listener deletes. That was the lottery to pick the teams for a four-way, the winner of which will be the number one contender to the tag team titles. Uh, who needs rankings? Who needs anything? It's just every title. It's just got to have like some uh, overwrought thing before they can have a title match. Well, you say every title, but in particular, the tag team title gets one of these every pay-per-view cycle, right? They yeah. get the battle Royal, they get the gauntlet match. And this is like the least valid one of any of them. Cause it's just literally a lottery. Uh, so that's, that's kind of a funny commentary on like the, uh, breakdown of all systems over time maybe uh but yeah it's like okay yeah i, I guess you wanted uh john silver and alex reynolds in here because they're like hot on bte and you had no other way to get them into the title picture i guess maybe that's what you were trying to accomplish here but i don't know it 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 just it it really uh brought to a head all of the unjustified booking of these title matches this was like the most unjustified of them. So it made all the other ones look even worse by association. Uh, and yeah, just it built to a confrontation with the young bucks and FTR, which is supposed to be this super anticipated match that they were building for years on PTE and Twitter. Uh, it just feels like all the heat is gone from this. I'm way more interested in best friends than almost any, any of this at all. I just like, John Silver is the most over person on BTE, and they've realized that how good he is here. Like, I'd almost want Beaver Boys to get this title match just to see ride the John Silver train. Let's see how how far Silver Silver and Reynolds can go here like this. Because you're absolutely right. This is like this feud that was simmering for years, and you have it happen this way feels completely like undeserved in a way. <laughs> yeah, they really they had this whole thing, the gauntlet match, didn't have Bucks and FTR face off. Uh, when FDR first came into the company, they were doing like a mutual respect thing, but then they, uh, attacked the rock and roll express. And then they were just sort of taunting the young bucks, uh, which caused the young bucks, uh, in tandem with the whole elite breaking apart thing to like get in touch with their inner asshole. So you have all these like threads that are coming together in this story and they don't really seem to knock on each other much. Uh, and then just to finally tie it together, you're like, well, we kind of need to get moving in this direction. So let's have these teams pull their name out of a lottery tumbler. Yeah, it just seems pretty slapdash. So the teams are going to be Private Party, the Beaver Boys, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, Butcher and the Blade, and the Young Bucks. Uh, but yeah, they're just building... I mean, the Bucks got an FTR's face after this, and so that's you know clearly what we're supposed to expect. And I've I've completely turned around on this. I was like talking about how you really want to draw this out and you don't want to burn this match. And now I'm like, just fucking do the match. Like, let's just get this match over with and move on to whatever's after that. So I hope that's where it goes. Yeah, I. Uh, it seemed like it's it's funny to go back to like the first couple FTR appearances where it's like, oh, are they going to get their handshake with the Young Bucks? And now. Uh, yeah, it just the, the the idea of uh, successfully pulling off a long build to this now seems undoable. Um, yeah, Nick and Matt super kicked. Um, I believe it was Alex Reynolds and the Blade, and then everybody brawled. 
Next up was the women's world title match. Hikaru Shida defeated Big Swole with the Tamashi. It was just kind of a match. It it happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, they spent so much time on that Big Swole Britt Baker feud. Uh, almost blew it off on the pre-show. Got convinced to move it onto the main show. Uh, and then Big Swole disappeared. Uh, Britt Baker pretty much disappeared because she wasn't ready to come back from injury in the first place, like we all know. Uh, and then Big Swole gets her title match after all that focus being all that focus being paid to her in the women's division, and there was no build to it. It was just hot shotted, and Hikaru Shida won. Which I think, honestly, my the best thing about the booking on this show is that you threw all these title matches together with no justification uh, and no booking and no story. So at least the champions retained. Like at least that just makes an uh, puts another notch on their belt as I'm actually a valid champion because I win matches. If that's the worst you can do, like at least you don't have your champions getting beat every week. Yes, somebody's delete. I've put away the Twitter thread now, but somebody's delete was, uh, you know, Nyla Rose is right fucking there. And they're clearly building to Nyla and Sheeta. And they love doing brawls after matches. So why didn't Sheeta attack or at least get in her face? Do something to build that match. Especially, especially with on dark after uh, after Nyla tore through someone i think it was kylan king. king yeah kylan king uh vicky could probably cut like her best promo in years saying like we're tired of being like sideline you want to sideline us well i'm actually going to sideline nyla nyla's not going to wrestle until she gets the title shot and the only like thing that they carried on to this was that you had a camera cut to nyla and she was unhappy like that was all the things like if you're not someone who watches dark you would have been like Oh, Nyla's there. You wouldn't understand like what was going on with that when you very easily should have played that up. But folks, we had to have a Sean Spears video after this. He's mad that Scorpio oh, Sky interrupted him on late night dynamite. He was supposed to have a moment. So now uh Scorpio Sky owes him a moment and he plans on collecting. I'm fine with Sean Spears getting a video here. If it's a build to Scorpio Sky beating him clean in the middle with his move, because They've had this backburner Scorpio Sky push going on for, I don't know, six months or something like a year. Yeah, sort of have to do something with it. Otherwise, it, you know, I, I just kind of honestly seems token that he's just like the the token black guy they push on dark and have win there. And then yeah. shows up on Dynamite once a year to lose to Cody. It's like a little sketchy. No, no, you're absolutely right. And you, you also have the aspect of it is kind of cool. Someone tweeted this, and I apologize uh, that they, they brought up, or someone like said this in Discord. I apologize. I just remember seeing this somewhere that the idea that Sean Spears, of all people, should be focused on moments like the, the WWE. That was, that was me. You made a very good point there, Nate. <laughs> I appreciated it. I, yeah, that, I, that was from our account, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually from our account. <laughs> hey, I, I, I stick in the Discord unless I have to make a comment about tracksuits during sure. Twitter right now. So when I saw like that pop up in the notifications later, I was like, that's a good point. I want to talk about that. But yeah, like Sean Spears's like thing, like the idea that he's obsessed with moments, I thought was kind of easy. But you're absolutely right about like they have so many people that like that they say like this is someone who's important. This is someone's important. Like you could say the same thing about Darby Allen. You could say the same thing about Jungle Boy. And it's like, when is it actually going to happen? Or is this just something that you're just going to dangle forever? And it's doubly so with Scorpio Sky. Uh, next up was the men's world title. John Moxley defeated Lance Archer. I think we've kind of talked about this match, but Mox, I fucking hated this finish. Lance Archer did a blackout. Mox rolled it into a crucifix. 
and one. Uh, I just think if a guy hits you with his move, you shouldn't be able to like roll it into a pin and hold him down for a three count. What was interesting about this match was Lance Archer just immediately powered out of that bulldog choke that Moxley has been beating everybody with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, holy shit. Like he might actually beat him here. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was all those Cody matches we complained about where Cody got hit by the coffin drop and just roll them up immediately out of the coffin drop. At like, least this, at least this crucifix looked miles better than the one that Cody did, or yeah, the mousetrap that, that, that Cody did. That one was a little goofy. Um, so this was at least a pin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand it. Uh, it, uh, it <laughs> so uh, a, a while back, um, Aaron was like, "I don't know. Are they just going to keep having these monsters get built up all the, every month to lose to John Moxley?" It's like. Well, yeah, it's kind of like how American pro wrestling has worked in a lot of ways. This felt like um, the the nadir of the John Cena booking where he would get these absurd wins out of impossible situations, which is like, yeah, you know, WWE is going to do their Hulk Hogan booking. They're going to build up their monster and they're going to have him lose to their top baby face and the people are going to go home happy. Uh, but they reached a point with with John Cena where I was like, okay, he got beat by six guys for four hours and then got a roll-up pin. This was like approaching that, I felt like. And, and it's something where you had him, you, you had uh, Archer kick out immediately out, out of a paradigm shift, like in this, the first move of the match, and then the bulldog choke didn't really elevate it. And they did do a solid draw of like, okay, Moxley's retaining this from this, from like the skin of his teeth, if I'm going to play a little bit devil's advocate there, but with the way that they've built up Archer and the way that they've done this thing where it's like, yeah, he didn't take the, uh, everybody dies claw yet, but it's like, okay, LOL Moxley wins. Like it did feel a little banana. <laughs> yeah. Peelish. yeah. It was, it, it's the guy's finisher. I, I think he's been using the blackout as a finisher. The everybody that dies claw. I feel like he hasn't been using an AEW as much. That was certainly what he was using in new Japan, but yeah, it's like he hit him with your move. And it basically no sold it after a long no yeah. disqualification match. Yeah. 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 And it's it's like, yes, of course, you you know, a, a classic wrestling thing is building up the big heel of the month who or of the the uh, run, whatever, yeah, who loses their title match. But it, it's like, okay, but it felt like Lance Archer could be something more than that when he showed up. And it felt like Brian Cage maybe could be more than that. But if they're just people who show up and lose to Mox. Uh, then you kind of wonder, like, well, where are we going to go with these guys? And, you know, certainly when <laughs> he no-sells your finish, I mean, that's that seems pretty yeah. bad. But it's what they did. Yeah. And again, I kind of, like, I'm if you don't have a really good built guy and you don't have a justification to move the title to somebody else, I would rather the title just stay on the champion and you have, like, a real champion and you don't have Seth Rollins getting beat by J&J Security out here. Sure. Um, I'd just preferable. rather he win clean. But like, yeah, it's kind clear. of or win without bearing the other guy's finisher, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just a definitive win, I think, is not too much to ask for. Uh, Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers were at commentary during this. So afterward, uh, Archer attacks Moxley because, you know, he's just lost to a crucifix. So he's completely fine. Uh, Eddie sends the Lucha Brothers out, but they help Moxley instead. And uh, they hit Archer with a chair. He no-sells that, but but leaves anyway. And then we get an Eddie promo. Uh, he says, hey, we had a great match last time, even though I never tapped out. 
Uh, get him his belt. This man has carried the company. I'm proud of you. He's saying, I always knew you could do it. Let's raise his hand together. Let's do it for Johnny. But of course, he, he cheap shots Moxley, puts him in the chokehold. Uh, then Eddie gets the belt and he says, look how beautiful this is. This is what we fight for. I never quit. I'm going to get you, John. JR is like trying to do his like sign off. But Eddie Kingston is like going up to the last fucking second of the show. So which I thought was fun and like, you know, more interesting way to end the show. Uh, but yeah, that's how we go out. Yeah, I feel like we were kind of in the minority on this episode in that I don't know. I, it just uh, brought to the forefront a lot of like ongoing minor issues of the promotion. Sure. Yeah. No. No. Like the wrestling on this the show, with probably the exception of the women's world title match, was all fine for the most part. It just was one of those things that you kind of watching it week in week in when you just have like a fine episode. Like, and it feels like you've had a lot of fine episodes. You kind of like take a step back, and like that's why I felt like how formulaic it's felt lately. Like, that's when I that kind of did like this. Like, my big question I ask myself each week is, Am I do I feel like I have my time wasted? And I don't feel like that the show has really wasted much of my time. It's just one of those things that's like, Oh, this isn't as as exciting, or like I was like, Oh, this kind of feels like they've been kind of doing same old, same old, and it's even doubly so when it's supposed to be a pay per view in three weeks. Like that's the thing that kind of gets me about it. Yeah, they're they're like floor for the matches is like pretty high. Like you, you know, you pretty much don't tune in here and see like a lot of bad matches that are like, oh, that was like their floor for the matches like pretty high. So in that regard, it's like, you know, you're always gonna have something when you tune in here that you could be like, okay, that was pretty good. But yeah, I I I maybe you know again expectations like a bunch of title matches, your anniversary show. You know, just kind of wish it had delivered at a level above. Well, if you want something that delivers at a level above, you got to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite. We have lots of bonus audio over there for you. Uh, We at least get out one bonus show a week. Uh, This week, Mike did his review of uh, the super spreader event known as (laughs) the collective. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as someone that, I like watching stuff and I like doing things that are dangerous to both my health and to my mental sanity. I watched eight of the 12 collective shows live and I did instant reactions. As soon as the show went off the air, I immediately came up to my office, came up to the studio, recorded a little bit, combined it all together. It's two and a half hours. Give my thoughts about a lot of things there. A lot about how this is a weekend that this shouldn't happen. And then some really neat stuff that happened on on the weekend as well, like for the culture, uh, the breakout of Lee Moriarty now as probably one of the bigger North American star- stars. And then some of the really, really bad things that happen at the collective. And now that the more and more bad stuff's come out from the collective day by day, I'm more like, uh, that was even more of a bad decision. Yeah. If you're working on a psychological profile on Mike, you definitely want to subscribe, <laughs> get in there, get your notebook out, start, start taking some notes. You're going to get a lot of lore. Uh, definitely worth digging into especially with that because i was like in such a good mood as it was going on and then the final show went off there at 3 30 sunday morning and i watched four shows in a row that day and i was completely losing at that point and uh yeah and i'm gonna in the future do the other four shows because i promised i would review all the shows of the collective and you know my word is bond i'm gonna do it we also do a weekly uh, show called Light, where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark, and Nate gives us uh, all the action that happened on BTE and sometimes other vlogs. So you want to check that out. Next week, our big bonus show is going to be uh, Mike and I 
doing this is chris jericho we're going to be going back all the way to jericho's time in wrestling and romance if you're nasty and uh, up to his time in uh, new japan so his most recent time in new japan that is so uh lots of fun stuff there if you're a member go join the discord and if you haven't joined yet sign up and then join the discord it's a lot of fun mike's going to finish off his uh collective stuff and uh, i'm going to be hopefully gosh i need to do that tomorrow i guess uh start them uh so we can do a preview for the coroquin this weekend so that's it patreon.com slash everything elite five dollars there's three tiers but five dollars will get you all the audio uh that we've ever done uh like almost a year of content and uh, all the audio we'll do this month so that's it patreon.com slash everything elite coming up on next week's dynamite the world title men's world title tournament will start the first match they didn't tell us what the match is going to be but this is the bracket one side pentagon and phoenix are going to match up uh, below them is kenny omega and joey janela and then the right side of the bracket is wordlow and jungle boy and uh colt cabana versus hangman page the first thing they pointed out when they unveiled the bracket was that kenny omega and hangman page are on opposite sides of the bracket <laughs> Uh, we call that foreshadowing. And the final will be at full gear. So that that's going to kick off next week, but we don't know what the match is going to be. Thoughts on the, uh, the, the title tournament? Um, love televised tournaments. Long, long uh, standing advocate of that. Uh, and yeah, at least is, this is a better way to go about building a real challenger for the world title. Like you have a number of weeks of, very clear storytelling opportunities where you can tell stories with matches with guys over uh, consecutive matches and then build to one of them getting a big win at the pay-per-view event. And then that being a good time to like set them up as your next challenger for whoever wins the main event of that pay-per-view event. Uh, that's yeah. Very, very simple and uh, effective pro wrestling tournament booking is good and they should do it. And you know, I mean, Omega versus Janela has happened before. There was Wardlow versus Jungle Boy in the Wardlow MJF versus the Jurassic Express feud. So we, we have some stuff that they're revisiting here. And it, you also get like the thing of there is the potential of Omega versus Phoenix in the second round, which is a wild match. And then, I mean, Jungle Boy or Wardlow versus Hangman Page, most likely. And those are somewhat fresher matchups, at least in AEW. So at least it's providing like, with the structure, we're getting to see some fresh things, which I think is something that I feel like, especially after this week, that I'd really like to see in this, this program. Yeah, I, and that's I do think it's smart. Uh, sorry, and just it, it kind of mirrors what mirrors what they do in like the New Japan Cup, where you know a match like Kenny Omega and Joey Janela, where it's not a first time ever match; it's a match that they've done before in this promotion, but haven't done in a very long time. Uh, it's just like a good setup match to be like, okay, uh, here's a match you haven't seen in a long time two guys who work well together, uh, but we're also not really giving anything away. And then you give Kenny Omega a big win so that it, when he moves on to face Phoenix or something, you have two guys who are coming in and off wins and it creates a big match between, you know, two single stars who haven't wrestled each other in this promotion. So that's a, in a singles match. Eight guys in this tournament. Uh, I'll start with you, Nate. Give me a guess. How many of these guys are in the top five in the singles rankings? Um, Let's see. I did retweet the top five of the singles rankings. So I, you did. Uh, I'm trying to 
let's see, it was Brody, MJF. Um, let's see, there were eight guys in the tournament. Yes. What's it's an that? Eight person tournament. Yeah. Um, none of them are in the rankings. Uh, I think that Kenny Omega's in the rankings. And I think it's just Kenny Omega in the rankings. Maybe Hangman Page. Maybe those two. Um, they were in the tag team rankings. I don't know. They've been out of singles competition. Yes, the answer is none of these eight guys. Okay. In the All right, so MJF is in the rankings, obviously. Chris Jericho in the yeah. rankings. Brody. No, Chris Jericho is not Brody. in the rankings. Chris Jericho oh. is not. Right, okay. he's tagged number, division now with Hager. Number one, apparently. Lance Archer. Number two, Brian Cage. Number three, MJF. Number four, Brody Lee. Number five, Scorpio Sky. <laughs> yeah. Not in this tournament for no reason. Not in this tournament. What, yeah. hey, isn't Abaddon still in the women's rankings and she hasn't had a match on TV yet? And months now, yeah, she's number four. <laughs> oh, 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 so, oh, so, you, so, so she has taken over Yuka Sakazaki's role of remaining in the rankings with months of inactivity. She has, so I don't get that. I, I do hate <laughs> that a little bit. And you know, I a lot of times on this show, I come on and I talk shit about something, some bad Joe Lanza take. Let me say this Joe Lanza take is good. Why can't you just have a guy who wins a bunch of matches and is like hot and he gets a title shot? Like, can you just do that sometimes? Or that's what you focus on with like your analytics thing. It's like, hey, this person has only has not lost in eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks. He's on a ten match winning streak. Yeah, you I can mean, do that, and it's I, simple. I don't mind the idea of this tournament because the the key here is you have to rehab Omega as a singles wrestler. Yeah. So it makes sense from that perspective. He's going to have to win three matches. To yeah, win. there's there's no way you don't come out of this tournament with somebody who's won at least three matches in a row against right. other like legitimate singles talent. So well, well, it's, well, I mean, it's it's booking a challenger for dummies. It's booking a challenger for dummies. But what happens if we go through all this and Kenny Omega still doesn't win the tournament? Well, if it's Hangman beating Omega, then I'm like fine with that. As long as one of them wins, it's fine. Um, the The second round match I think is interesting because Omega and Pentagon is an all in rematch. Right. But Omega Phoenix is what I'm more interested in seeing. So I think well, that's I, a that's, that's a triple A mega that's a, championship. Match. That's right. That's or, right. Or, or Northeast Wrestling had that big house <laughs> at Northeast Wrestling. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. So, but, but then he, lots of fun stuff here. And, and then you get either like Jungle Boy or, or Wardlow versus Hangman Page would be interesting. I was they, it, honestly, if if Phoenix or Pentagon come out of the, of this also, that's also fine with me. I'm fine with I'm you fine with Omega and Page not losing if one of those wins. What about Wardlow? If Wardlow wins this thing, too early for Wardlow, but I do want they do have to protect him in his loss. However, he loses. That's fair. War is his name. Uh, the four way for the tag title challenger will be next week. And Britt Baker will be in action. They also told us that on the 28th. So two dynamites from now, Cody will again face orange Cassidy for the TNT title. So I'm not really sure how Darby plays into this. Uh, I mean, he's just going to be the full gear challenger, but he's like for the winner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I'm guessing. I hope they don't do a three way. I kind of think that's happening. Yeah. I kind of think maybe they go to a draw again. (laughs) Have we learned nothing about Cody in three way title matches? I like their IWGP uh, three way title match. I thought it was good. Okay. (laughs) I I think it was one of his better matches that year. It was that in the juice match. um, And the Nick Aldis match were like his best matches in that run. Was that the same year as the Okada match? Uh, uh, I think the, that was the year after the Ibushi match is like his his best one. I thought. Uh, I don't. I mean, this was on the level of the Ibushi match. Okay. All right. 
Glad we're in agreement. Uh, and then, yeah, here's what we know about uh, Full Gear so far. Darby versus somebody for the TNT title. Uh, the tag title will be FTR versus the winner of the four-way and then the title tournament finals. So, like, nothing that's built in any real way. <laughs> no, 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 not not at all. Not at nothing, all. Nothing you want to plop down your 50 bucks to see the payoff to. How long have I been saying a pay-per-view is coming up real quickly? I've been... Yeah. S- Maybe you think I was being like Chicken Little and saying the sky is falling, but we're now. No, no, you're right. You're right, Mike. Mike, I don't think you were being like Chicken Little. No, okay, I don't either. Thank you. Thank I don't you. either. Uh, we, I, we I, I support said, you. I have said this: if it ends up being Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, then that's a few that they've been building up for the past two months. That's that true. Is, I've just been assuming that, that wasn't the match, so, <laughs> yeah. so I was kind of like ignoring the build. <laughs> no, no that, that's entirely fine. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I will remove this as a speaking point, at least for me, if that happens. I've said this. Before and I'll say this in public on audio. If it ends up being Eddie versus Mox, I was like, "Hey, some of the stuff isn't great, but they've spent two months building up Eddie versus John Moxley." Well, it it's they, it's pretty valid to not expect that to be the match because they just did that match, right? Right. Yeah. What's well, I mean? What's funny is you could end up with on this uh, on this pay per view Eddie versus Mox, which has been like a pretty long story. Yeah. Co- uh, Hangman versus uh omega, omega which is a long story ftr versus the bucks which the is the longest like a, money the, yeah and the, darby the versus story right and darby versus cody which is <laughs> a, a pretty long story although yeah. none of those have been very well done so i don't i still don't feel bad have, about it they've been could, however all, all, all of those have been well done at times but maybe right. they're not being well done right now yes yeah, they're, they're not plateauing or yeah. they are plateauing they're not um accelerating peaking. Peaking, peaking at the right there we time. Go. Uh, I would say, however, if on the buy-in we have uh, the librarian Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler, no DQ, no countouts, yeah. then it, we have the longest building store in West Belt thing in the company, baby, right on yeah. TV. It had to be the match. <laughs> it had to be the match. <laughs> For sure. I, I, is, I next, they have to go probably, to a draw. They have to go think, to a draw. I think that's probably the best summation of where we're at is there's a lot of threads for long-running stories that have at times been done well, but they're not being communicated particularly well at this point in time as right. we're building up to this pay-per-view, which is mm-hmm. coming. So I think that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Folks, you see what we did there? We, we started with uh, some, some things at the beginning of this show. We kind of talked through in the middle, tied it up in a nice little bow there at the end. Just... Can AEW do the same? <laughs> <laughs> we will see. All right. Well, I think that's the show. So follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe. Give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple podcast app. And please support the show by going to patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.